Speak softly loud So no one hears us but the sky The vows of love we made We live on till we die My life is yours And I'll be cold You came into my world With love so softly loved Good evening everyone and here we are again into the new year. I can't believe it's three weeks, into, two weeks into the new year. Yeah. I'm still hungover. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, thank you for joining us again. I can't believe we're going into a new year with you all. We're going into our 50-something show, fortunately. And uh, our, our, we have to thank you because our subscribers are really multiplying, and we owe that to you. And we're going to have an interesting... Uh, New Year, a lot of crazy things happening in all our lives, and you'll be hearing about it. And we want to include you more often, so make sure that you're sending more emails, and if you're in New York, come by and visit. <laughs> People are starting to come all the time now. Giorgiani, <laughs> uh, talking about uh, subscribers, uh, last week's episode or the week before that, uh, somebody asked me a question about subscribers, and uh, the possibly it was you who asked me, does anyone in my class subscribe to this podcast. Oh, yeah, and that I was came, in the mailbag yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, yeah. I came back with, you know, they're in their late teens, their early 20s. Uh, I, I would have to say no. I mean, I brought it up, but I don't press it. They never heard of these names. Uh, so, but I decided to go back and ask, <laughs> you know, and I did. And there was this one uh, a female student, the first name was Allie. I don't want to mention the last names, but uh, she said, you know, I've listened to every episode from episode one. That's wow. Uh, she quoted these episodes. She's got to be like 20. I mean, I, I'm, I'm on the road constantly. I just came back yeah, again, I'm, and I'm leaving. I but just, I, the young following I'm getting is, or we're getting rather, but they come and see me. They find me in the store. I did a store called Frankie's Deli in Chicago. I was supposed to be there for three hours. I was there seven hours. When was this? Um, um, last Thursday. Last wow. Thursday in Chicago. But the interesting thing you would like, Pat, after I did Man Cow in Chicago, the radio show, yeah. that day we sold 12,000 books in the state of Illinois. That's insanity. Wow. That's unreal. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just uh, envisioning royalty checks when you said that. Yeah, hello. Yeah, right. Yeah. 12,000. <laughs> That's very nice. Is that very wild? Nice. But anyway, we do have a younger contingent that uh, appreciates what we do and is interested in uh, this kind of life movies the mob etc I, I was pressed good she was actually quoting shows that's amazing i, no. I said uh, make sure i get the last uh your last name spelled right so i can give you the a you so richly deserve <laughs> <laughs> that's our extra credit assignment i want to be in your class i may go back to school <laughs> <laughs> so we have a fascinating show again um pat comes up with these ideas and then when we start looking into these people I can't believe how they crossed our lives, and this guy we all we all know him in the in the mob world. And we're uh, speaking of uh, Carmine Galante. Yes, Carmine yeah. Galante, who was not very Galante. No, not at all. <laughs> in his life, forget uh, about it. You know, we've been in this uh, uh, exposed to this life, you and I, all our lives, uh, and I have never come across a name I didn't know the guy personally. I, I knew one of his daughters; he had five kids. 
but this guy was actually a certified psycho. You know, when p- people say, oh, he's a certified psycho, they're not really certified. Nobody, you know, stamped him or he didn't learn a secret handshake. But Galanti did. He was actually certified. When he, he was, was certified in 1931. <laughs> so you figure in 1931, he was certified. He lived for another 48 years. And that's another surprising thing. I know. Yeah. He, he said he was too mean to get murdered. No one had the guts uh, to kill him. Well, I'm, I'm, I was shocked. At, well, I, like you, I was shocked. I was in New York. I don't know why I was here, because that was in 79. And I, I, we already had a couple of problems here. But I, I was in living in Las, Las Wages. But, uh, <laughs> Las Wages, yes. And uh, that killing in itself was amazing. But only to find out that, you know, he's, his mother was a Russo. I don't know if we're related in any way. But his father's hometown on Castelmati del Golfo in Sicily is where Frank Costello came from. So now I can understand their whole tying up together and the respect they had for each other. Well, he didn't have much respect for Costello after Costello died because in 1974, uh, Galanti ordered the bombing of Costello's mausoleum in Queens. Oh, I, well, you know why? He had a hatred because Vito Genovese picked Frank Costello to run his family rather than not, rather than Carmine Galante. Oh, okay. So, because, so, so, so shall we start at the beginning? Oh, please. Okay. We have uh, Carmine, young Carmine. Yeah, I always thought he was born in Italy. He was not. He was born, he's second generation. He was born in Harlem. Born in Harlem, which was uh, then a largely Italian area. And there's still a contingent on the east side of Harlem, like for a half a block, I think. Is right. Uh, the last of the, the old-time Italians is still there. But he was born in 1910 and uh, in that area. And almost right from the start, he decided that he was going to be a bad guy. Oh, yeah, he was in juvenile. He was everywhere, this kid. He was locked up a couple of times as a teenager. Mm. Yeah, he was uh, involved in a juvenile gang on the Lower East Side. When he was 15, he dropped out of school. Well, that's not a surprise. Uh, and he came up uh, through the Prohibition era, even though he was young. You know, when you born, say uh, that, Pat, you're the only guy who graduated. Born in 1910, Prohibition <laughs> began in 1920, but he didn't waste any time. I mean, he was like in his teens and he was involved. Uh, he, uh, w- he worked also in a couple of legitimate jobs. He was a fish sorter, whatever that means. And uh, <laughs> they, yeah, He worked in a, a flower shop, too. There. This is a lobster. We'll put that over there. That anyway. Yeah. He also worked in an artificial flower shop, not to be confused with a real flower shop. <laughs> <laughs> the flowers that never die. Uh, Only and, when they're uh, around him. Go ahead. I was saying in 1925, he took his first bust. He pleaded guilty uh, to uh, an assault charge, and he got two and a half years in a can So in uh, 1926. Hmm. So he, he started then. Uh, but... Uh, he was uh, on the map of the police department uh, in the NYPD pretty early. Uh, in 1931, he uh, pleaded guilty to attempted murder and got 12 and a half years in a state in a state prison in upstate New York called Comstock. Now, coincidentally, uh, one of uh, the fans of the podcast, a guy by the name of Steve Boffey, not to be confused with Mafia, uh, this is M-O-F-F-E. Uh, he was a 
uh, correction officer in several upstate prisons for 19 years. Oh, wow. And he collects uh, prison memorabilia, and he calls me the other day, and he said, you're not going to believe what I have. I've got a report from 1933, uh, the original copy of a uh, report of a fight in a prison yard in Comstock uh, where uh, Galanti was involved with three other guys trying to stab a fourth guy to death. It didn't work out that way. Carmine wound up getting stabbed himself in the ensuing battle. He wouldn't. He got stabbed in the stomach. He got stabbed in the shoulder. And I believe I sent that to you, uh, Johnny. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, so, it's so compelling. That's the original report. This guy. I know. I saw the dates all, on it. All kinds of stuff. Uh, well, what, what does he collect this stuff for? What? Yeah, he's a collector. Uh, does it have I, any I value, know. though? What? what? Does it have any value for resale? Uh, it, I imagine it has value to other collectors, uh, but I mean, tracing back Galanti's career, if you can call it that, I doubt anybody is aware of this melee he got in in this prison yard, except for the people who were there at the time. Uh, right. Steve, who sent me this, and the three of us. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is 1933. Right. Yeah. And true to uh, gangster tr tradition, Galanti wouldn't talk. He wouldn't. Uh, he, all he said was he got knocked to the ground, that he was one of the aggressors. He was knocked to the ground, and he looked up, and uh, he saw one of the people on the ground, and that's all he knew. He wouldn't say anything further. So uh, all he is in prison at that time, he had like seven seven or eight years in prison, he was uh, awarded good time. He had three years good time attached to him, which means he would have gotten out three years earlier. Mm -hmm. But because he didn't talk, he lost that three years time. He kept his mouth shut and did an extra three years. Well, that, that that's a good mark for the outside people who know in the mob, but not for nobody else, especially him. It's it's Yeah. Uh, and that's why they do it. They, they they threaten him with that, hoping he'll roll over and give somebody up. Well, the people he was involved with, uh, I was reading this report, and uh, some of these names look familiar. Uh, one of them is a guy named uh, uh, Prisiano. Now, don't, don't forget, these guys were in their early 20s they're, they're, when they got locked up. Yeah. Uh, and they were just starting out in, in their criminal careers. This guy, Angelo Prisiano, went on to be a pretty big wheel in the Bonanno family. And a guy named Carmine Fatico, known as Jimmy Wagons. Don't ask me, you know, Wagons like, like, you're, like you're riding. Don't ask me how. Uh, he, well, the he nicknames being, back then were for some reason. He being a big deal in the Gambino family. Uh, and was John Gotti's, John Gotti Sr., his mentor, when, when Gotti was just coming up, when he was in his teens and early 20s. Uh, well, that's confusing to me because uh, Gotti just adored O'Neill Della Croco. Well, this is before he was a street thug. Uh, that's all he was, was a thug. I don't think he knew anybody back then. He was just a oh. rough and tumble guy. Uh, was this and, guy from and, Brooklyn? What? How did he know him? I don't know. I didn't get that. Because, uh, I didn't say how he knew him. But John never sneak, came. Uh, John never sneak, came out of Howard Beach. Yeah, well, Fastico died in 1991, uh, so this had to be way prior to that. And he said he he helped Gotti in his career. Who knows what helping means in, yeah. in, in that life, you yeah. know? Yeah. For all we know, he could have give, given him a uh, cab fare to a social club. Uh, we don't know. 
but his name I found, uh, uh, do, you know, during the reading I was doing this this past week, their names were were uh, connected because they were both Gambinos. Well, well that's uh, interesting and, because uh, I, you know, well, there are so many Gambinos in in Brooklyn anyway. But yeah. my, my knowledge and and my it's it's so funny because I when I was when I was in dating uh, Kathy Burke, Jimmy Burke's daughter. Uh, John's name came up a lot because you know he was he he took over all the hijacking in in that whole Howard Beach JFK area. Yeah, Kennedy Airport was his playground. Yeah, Jimmy, but that's but Jimmy created it. So I guess they had a meeting and said, "Go ahead," and I'm sure John gave him an edge of it because that's how you pay your dues. Yeah, well, you know, I guess you. If you're coming up in the mob, you hitch uh, your start to all these older guys who can help you. And this this guy was one of them. Uh, you know, and O'Neill, of course, was his uh, lifelong mentor. Well, the reason for that, I know you were on the other side of that, but you always try to align yourself, as I did, with all the old-timers that had style in class. Because if you did something wrong accidentally... They would step up and talk for you, and if they talked for you, it smoothed out a lot of things, mm-hmm. rather than some young punk kid. And they did discard you. Well, literally, this is true, wow. because uh, yeah, as we're talking about, Galanti was Joe Bonanno's chauffeur. That's how he started out. Right. And he, he connected himself to Bonanno for his entire life. Uh, he became from a driver. He went to a capo, to an underboss. And he was totally loyal. This was a guy that wasn't loyal to anybody but Carmen Galanti. But he was totally loyal to uh, Joe Bonanno. Well, see, Bonanno's history, most people don't know, he was so strong in Sicily because he was the one that introduced the drug flow in New York through the Sicilians. And that's where the big battle came. And that's why when they sat down, the syndicate, which included Costello... Gambino, even some, uh, even Maya, only uh, what's the name from Chicago? Tony Batters. That they, they they were the ones that gave him a break. He was supposed to. Joe Bonanos had the right to go back to Sicily, and nobody would bother him. And he didn't want to go. And I don't know why he didn't want to go because he was living like a king over there. And they exiled him to Arizona for the rest of his life. And then he actually made his son, Bill Bonanno, a made guy, which who does this to their kids? It confuses me. And Bill Bonanno was no longer a tough guy than uh, who? Like, uh, Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman. I mean, <laughs> well, the guy well, was 6'3", uh, though. Oddly enough, uh, we're like seven degrees uh, separated from these people because Bill Bonanno, who was a college-educated ed- guy, and you're right, he had no... Uh, uh, idea what he was getting himself into, but Bill Bonanno eventually hooked up with our agent Frank Wyman, and oh, yeah, Wyman for his book. introduced yeah. him to Joe Pistone, the undercover guy from the FBI, and they wrote a book together. I know. Are you aware of this? Wow. Oh, I'm very much aware because I, I, I mean, I used to stop, not out of respect to Bill, but I, I knew the father, and I knew, I knew a lot of the family in Sicily. And uh, you know, I I'm, I'm I can go anywhere I want. I'm not with anybody. You hearing you know, that FBI? I, I I'm not with anybody. With, <laughs> uh, Gianni, I thought you and I were the odd couple, but the, <laughs> Bill Bonanno 
and Joe Pistone. Oh, I know. Any odder than that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, he was an FBI agent, and obviously we know who uh, Bill Bonanno was. But Bill Bonanno, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not too up on this, but didn't he step down and they allowed him to step down? Oh, yeah. Well, but you know why? The, again, we, we were talking about the Bonanno family, even now, they're, they're, they're I, don't, I don't know how many guys are in the Bonanno family right this second. It's a small family. Yeah. And uh, they lost a lot, a lot of power. And and Bill Bonanno actually was trying, but he made the movie. He was doing a lot of things on the other side. And I guess he just wanted a legitimate life. To my well, understanding, he, he died uh, a young age, but, too. You don't have a well, heart attack. Well, he, he the, the first book uh, Bonanno wrote was about his father. It was called Honor Thy Father. It was a huge Well, I remember. Seller. My, my you know, friend Joe Cortese was in the movie. I think yeah, he played him. Was, uh, everybody writes a book. But how many people can sell 12,000 books in one day? I ask Not that. that many. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, that was crazy. When they gave and I, I, for people who don't know, I, I, was, I go to Chicago all the time. I'm there at least once a month. We have big food dis- distribution there with the Grecos and Sons. But I, this kid became a fan of mine. He's like the Howard Stern of the Midwest. His name Who's is... This? Uh, man cow M- yeah he's big even i heard of him yeah he's huge so i co-hosted his show two hours a day so it was killing me because i'm out all night drinking and then they're sending a car <laughs> at six o'clock to pick me up but i wanted to do it we had so oh, yeah, much fun and and the people that were actually people outside the nbc building downtown chicago waiting for me to come and waiting for me to leave i felt like i, I made it i'm a star all <laughs> right well, you are a star. You have a podcast, man. Yeah, that's right. I, that's all. I lived through this. I my whole seventy-six years was to get this podcast, and there we're taking go. it to the moon. Literally, mission accomplished. That is true. Yeah. So back, um, to, back to Galante. Yeah, back to uh, Galante. Did he always have mob ties, or when did he oh first start getting into it? Yeah, well, well, he, I, he was he, born with a gun in his hand. Yeah. Okay. No, was <laughs> no, he was. He loved bad, it. Bad, yeah. Oh, he was a bad teenager. Everything. Yeah, is it, yeah, he well, he was instrumental in in importing heroin. The uh, that's the drug that the mob says that had nothing to do with. Heroin. Right. Well, that was again Harlem. That was Genovese. Yeah. Well, he was instrumental. He went to uh, to, to uh, Sicily in nineteen fifty seven and met with Luciano just before he died. Right. Uh, Luciano died in fifty seven, and uh, uh, another guy from the Sicilian uh, mafia. Giuseppe Russo. That's another Russo's problem. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I know. So many of them out there. Well, you know, it's so funny. The the Russos and the Gambinos over there are like, I hate to say it, very involved in drugs. Really? Yeah. I mean, billionaires. Oh, yeah. Well, Sicilians. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Uh, billionaires. But, uh, and that, again, to, to just to reiterate what you said earlier, why he blew up his tomb, because Carmine wanted to be Frank Costello. And Luciano, I mean, Vito Genovese picked him, Costello over him. Mm. And that's yeah, why I mean, he yeah, carried that grudge. grudge. The guy's dead. Yeah. Well, what's, what are you trying to prove? Well, Costello's, Costello's monument, monument was something to talk about. I guess he didn't like that either. It was well, huge. You know, when they was said it? you are, you are a, a, a certified psycho, they weren't kidding. Yeah. There was no reason for that other than to get headlines and, and that know, was the biggest disrespect in the world times. Oh, of course it is this is this is a secret society right you stay on a down low you know but anyway when he came back from italy he brought with him 
people that he knew he could trust, Sicilians, didn't right. speak English for the most part. Oh, yeah, he had a lot of mustache beats around him. Yeah, they were known as Zips. Yep, the Zips. And he felt that he could surround himself with these people and they could be totally trusted. He didn't have to deal with the American contingent or the mob. And this was, I think, the point where he felt he was untouchable. Well, and, and you know, it's so funny that we, we saw this. Most people, our audience may know because we talked about it, but that was the idea of being of bringing uh, Frankie Boy Kelly in. He was raised and became a made man over there. And he came in now recently to take over the Gambino family. Nobody knew anything. Nobody knew anything about I didn't under read anything the wire. About that. Most people didn't even know his name. And no, this, I can't believe he was taken out by his, a jealous boyfriend of his niece. That's, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't retaliate and kill that whole family. It may happen yet. That, yeah, that, it's know, not sitting well in Sicily. So, it's some, well, he's not going to survive prison. That's obvious. But uh, oh no, no. But I'm talking then, about the, 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 they, they're they're ruthless. When you no. when you break when you break up a plan that was in the mix for ten years to groom this kid, and he gets taken out that way, Jesus. But anyway, it's, it's that's what they call ironic. You know? Yeah. But anyway, he's got these zips, and he felt that they were totally loyal, and they were. But we'll, we'll get to this in in a little while when he was killed. And Joe and Mary's in uh, Bushwick. Right. Who do you think was guarding him? Why not? guarding him. And he let them walk past him. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was and sitting anyway, by himself in the I'm back. I'm sorry. No. Okay. It's money talks. That's why, you know, I've, every once in a while, I, I was just talking to somebody. It was an MCC. And uh, I have a lot of friends on both sides in MCC. And for our audience who don't know what that is, that's where Epstein uh, basically committed suicide, which is impossible. Mm. But uh, Chapa Guzman was up there, and uh, this uh, this one guard told me he was offering any guard a million dollars to get him out and a million dollars of cash for the rest of their lives every year. And the guys didn't take the bribe because they were worried about the cameras. Now Epstein killed himself and nobody saw it. I mean, yeah, the cameras weren't working. I mean, yeah, you know, <laughs> they were turned that, off. Uh, they, they got they got jammed up not because the cameras weren't working or they were involved in Epstein's death. They got in trouble because they lied. Yep. Uh, they were actually asleep. Yep. When all this went down, what are you going to do from twelve at night to eight in the morning? These people are locked up, safe and sound. You think? No. Yep. Uh, but he should have been on the suicide watch. He was on suicide watch. This is Epstein we're talking about. I but think he Hillary Clinton asked to take him off. At the behest of his attorney. He's fine now. He'll be okay. Plus, he didn't have a cellmate. Right. Uh, which he should have had. Right. Uh, and he had all the time in the world to take himself out, which he did. But anyway, getting back to Galante, he gets arrested on a on a narcotics charge in 1958. He finally goes to trial in 1960. And one of his co-defendants was Billy Batts. And those of you who saw Goodfellas, Billy Batts is who Tommy DeSimone, the Joe Pesci character, uh, kills in the bar over the shoeshine box. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That big scene, that was Billy Batts. He was uh, William Bettavena was his, real, was his given name. Mm -hmm. But he was uh, Galante's co-defendant in that, in that case. Uh, and he was... Uh, First, he upset the trial judge. Now, he's 
if he's on trial, he can he can serve many many years. The judge gives him twenty days for contempt of court. Well, that was a heavy sentence. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, twenty days. <laughs> That's a joke. You no, know, keep your mouth shut, or you're going to be in big trouble, Carmine. So apparently, he didn't do it. He gave him twenty days as punishment. Uh, subsequently, though, he got something like twenty years. Uh, and and did, years, did, did the co-defendant what they what did he get? He got twenty. Oh, who Billy Bats? Yeah. I, yeah, he, he got 22, but he got let out. In fact, I think they got let out at the same time, in 1964. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, no, 74, pardon me. Yeah, they both got let out at about the same time. Uh, so he did his time, kept his mouth shut. So did Billy Bass. Nobody said anything. And he gets out in 1974 and decides that he's going to take over everything. He's oh, not I know. He's, to anybody. He, and, he, and he met with no one. He was just yeah. going to take over. That's and how crazy. He, he not share the profits with all this heroin money. Hello. He was the heroin guy. Yep. He just he just refused. But to take out a boss, and he was a boss more or less by default. He decided that I'm going to be the boss, and I became the boss type of thing. Well, he, I, I think that's where Gotti got the idea of just don't get to even get the the sanction from the from anybody to kill Paul Costello and Tommy Bellotti. Because Tommy Bellotti yeah, just, right. I think Tommy Bellotti was a boss for two weeks. Yeah. But uh, not Well, man. Gotti, you, you got a point there because, you know, everybody wonders, why would Gotti do such a thing? It's a death sentence. You have to get the commission okay. Oh, it's got to be sanctioned. But he probably thought back, and it wasn't that long ago, it was in 74, when uh, Galanti gets out of prison and says, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm now the boss. What are you going to do about it? I mean, and I think that's that, that was the attitude Gotti had at the time. Yeah, because he was so he. I remember. I remember it well. I mean, it was vibrating through the whole the whole organization. People that, were afraid of him. Oh well, yeah. Uh, well, Galante. They, they were. They were. They were. They were scared to death of him. Well, people were scared of John too. You know, John. John did some pretty bad things. Not him personally. Yeah. He had a crew. Well, well, he had a loyal crew. Other than Sammy, there, there was a couple of guys I still know. One still in prison, coming out soon, but. Uh, he had a loyal group, and they were rich. Talk about the money they were making. but uh, And that's when the whole thing started falling apart, obviously. And even, you know, I don't want to get into the Gaudis because this, that could be a yeah. lot of trouble. Mm. But what I remember when he just said, I'm taking over. I'm, I, I answer to nobody, and I keep all, everything I'm earning, I'm keeping. Well, he aggravated a lot of people. I, I guess so. He didn't enjoy his last dish of pasta, you know that. <laughs> well, there was uh, a detective on the NYPD who was uh, the expert on the mob, Ralph Salerno. Oh, I love that guy. He was he was a lieutenant. And, uh, I mean, he knew the mob. He, Is Ralph still he, alive? No, I was just going to say that. No, he passed I was going to say that would be a great guest to have. Mm. Yeah, not too long ago. It depends on what you think not too long ago is. But, uh <laughs> Uh, I think it'll, in sometime in the 90s he died. I'd like to check that out. I will during the break. But uh, he said only two people frightened him. I'll, I'll let you take this from there, Johnny. Oh, no. I mean, I, I, knew, I knew that for sure. And yeah. those two, and there's another guy, again, I won't talk about. And he's coming out soon. But these guys, when you looked at them, you saw death. And who were the two? O'Neill De La Croco, who was my friend since I'm a little baby, Going to you know, going to the Ravenite, and he was the underboss to the Gambino family, and Carmine Galanti. Mm. You, I mean, they looked like Surprised that. 
I mean, How many people did Carmine Galanti kill? They said 80. 80? They credit him for 80. And Ralph Salerno said it, so I believe him. Yeah. No, he, but, uh, he, knew, he knew his mobsters. But yeah, those eyes... I yeah, mean, I mean, you so, go online, anybody who's listening I mean, if you look into, it, it's go like online and, and look up those two guys, and their eyes are dead. Just black. Did, did you look them up? I've seen pictures. Oh, uh, yeah. little millennium. Could you <laughs> throw something in this story? <laughs> um, I mean, the one thing that I want to talk about, but I don't think we're going to get to it quite what? yet, is his death. Oh, well, well, well let's get sure. to it because we get, we're losing time. Well, well I, I want to hear this about, from you, please. Also, well, Carmine Galanti also killed a New York City police officer. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, yeah but I, I, uh, as we're saying, Megan contributed very little to this show. I want to hear. Well, I'm not the one with all the info, but. But hold it. You just said you want to talk about his death. Yeah, the photo. We want you and your little crew out there and throughout the world <laughs> to participate. <laughs> we want to hear. All right. Well, here it is. The death Go photo was something that was very interesting. The fact that people would. Oh, the photo, yeah. Yeah, the oh, photo. It was, it was on the cover of every newspaper. Right. Well, that. When we get finished talking about how he died, I'll tell you the story, the real story behind that picture. Oh, they, yeah, I know it too. They put the cigar yeah. back in his mouth. Ah, okay. Because he was named he Cigar. He was never without a cigar in his mouth. That's right. true, right? That was his nickname, Cigar. Yeah. They do, or Lilo. 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 But, uh, you know, it's, but, uh, it's, it's so crazy. But anyway, go ahead. But, no, I'm saying, but oh. as you know, yeah. Pat knows what, what that went on. Well, you actually went on the scene, didn't you, Pat? I went there. This was my birthday. July twelfth is my birthday. And oh, that's right. Day, How can I not got, forget that? We're both twelve, six Bushwick, months apart. I, I lived in Queens, and uh, uh, Bushwick, Brooklyn, is right on the Queens border, close to it. Right. And I heard uh, on the radio. This wasn't, uh, you know, a police radio. I was off, and they said it was like a bulletin. I mean, everything stopped. Uh, big gangland killing in uh, Joe and Mary's. And I had been to that restaurant. I mean. It was a mom and pop place, not many tables. It had like a backyard. Oh yeah, it was a little narrow place. Yeah, they just threw a couple of tables back there, and then right. they called it uh, a restaurant. Food was good. The usual Italian mom and pop uh, type of establishment. Well, he went there a lot too. He liked it there. Yeah. yeah, that was that was his big mistake. Uh, anyway, he gets two of his uh, zip friends to, to guard him. Uh, they didn't do such a good job. And he was there with uh, two of his friends that he worked with. And they went back to have lunch. And uh, two guys came in with pistols and shotguns, walked right past the bodyguards who didn't see a thing, and uh, blew them away. So when I arrived, this was way past the shooting. It was hours into it, I would imagine, like at least an hour and a half or two hours. And I, I couldn't get past the police barricade. I mean, I was I was a, a lieutenant. At, no, I was a sergeant at the time. But the, still, I had nothing to do with the case, and I wasn't going to walk onto a crime scene. But I just wanted to hear what happened. This is, this stuff interests me. Albert Seidman, who was the chief of detectives at the time, is an old type, old school detective. Always had a cigar in his mouth. You know, uh, uh, if you picture a caricature of a detective, it was Albert Seidman, as smart as a whip. Uh, came up the ranks, became the chief of detectives. He goes in the back and sees Galante there blown to pieces, shotguns, pistols. I mean, he got hit bad. The cigar was there, but it wasn't in his mouth. He put the cigar in Galante's mouth. Yeah. And then he told uh, the, the, the photographer from the Daily News that took that iconic shot right. of him with the cigar in his mouth. It was Albert Seidman. It was on the front page. Yep. 
And in fact, when I uh, did some of the research, the, the first thing that comes up is that picture. Oh yeah, it's and all over. Cigars, yeah. but that was the chief of detectives doing. He said, "You know, it was, I, uh, let him go I'm out in tradition. You know, you're, you're known as a cigar smoker. Here you go." That's. No. I mean, that's. I. I like the idea of it. Actually, it was like some somewhat of a of respect. Yeah, but, I think if uh, Carmine had any any saying it, he would have. He probably would have chosen too. it too. He yeah. wanted that pose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so who put the hit out on him? Everybody. I, Everyone. Yeah, but I think it came from Sicily. Oh really? My understanding, the the guys that came in came in through Canada. They drove. They Did drove. they ever catch the guys? No, yeah. they left. Well, they got one. Who? That did time, uh, one of the bodyguards. Oh, the bodyguards. Uh, did time. Yeah, but he was involved with- But he wasn't uh, the shooter. No, no. Oh. They, they, they got the bodyguards for murder because it's a felony murder. You don't have to do the shooting, but if you're there doing a commission of it, you get charged with the crime. So he, he went away accessory? during the uh, commission trial, I believe. So he was charged with that and everything else. Yeah. Uh, and he went away. Cesar Bonaventura, who was the uh, Cesar Bonaventura, the other bodyguard, rose up through the, the, the ranks. I believe he became a capo or something, and I, I lost track of him after a while. Well, they probably, whoever whoever said, ordered the up. hit, they probably moved him up in their own Yeah, that's what he was rewarded yeah. for setting up the hit. But the, uh, but the two guys that uh, came in, they came in up through Niagara Falls, and some friends of mine up there knew them actually. But you know, there's a the, the largest the largest uh, congregation, or, or should I say, is it a congregation? The largest, um, other than Italy, of Italians are in Niagara Falls because really? they had they had such yeah they had such flexibility and access because a lot of them wouldn't come here. They were afraid because they were already known gangsters, so yeah. they settled there for a while. Then they never left. That's the largest population other than Italy is up in Toronto of, of Italians. You know, really? Uh, funny you should bring that up, but uh, Carmine Galante was sent up to Canada to establish a heroin route. Uh, and just, got, just verified what I said. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying. And got so out of hand that the Canadian government deported him back to the United States. How often does that happen? Yeah, hello. <laughs> oh I know, gosh. yep. Yeah, but, yeah. And, and while we're talking about Niagara Falls, something just rang a bell in my head. For everybody that's listening, I'll be in my Niagara Falls at the Falls View Casino. That's a nice segue. Doing a <laughs> yeah, doing my uh, show, and uh, an offer you can't refuse, which is a lot about what we talk about. So I'll be there on March seventh, Saturday night, Falls View Casino. Will you be bringing books? Is there a, a part of the show where you'll be? Signing? We got it all, buddy. <laughs> all right. Good, good, good. By the way, I just Johnny, keep working for Johnny. you, Pat. <laughs> hey, Johnny. What's up, Pat? What is the name of the book? I forgot. Hollywood Godfather: My Life in the Movie and the Mob. <laughs> oh, thank you for refreshing my memory. No, please, and that's the name of our podcast. And if anybody's tuning in, cover out from St. Martin's Press, where and on on sale wherever books are sold. Is that true, also? Yep. That is true. Yeah. That There's an audio book out there, too. Well, not only right. that, we I just got the release date of our paperback. Oh. It's because, you know, I like sevens. Yes. July 7th. Oh, perfect. Just before your birthday, Pat. All righty. And the rumor is Hudson Newsstands yeah. bought 50000 Pat. <laughs> 
See, I always like to do this podcast because I always get good news. <laughs> <laughs> you learn something new every time we talk, book. We, for, the, for the listeners, we talk all week. Like every day, we're on the phone talking about something. I don't know. Perfect. And it's, uh, but the, the good stuff comes out here. We like to share. All right. Well, I guess we, with, uh, with our listeners. I, I guess we killed uh, Glounty in such a way. <laughs> One way or another. Enough about him for tonight. Uh, any anything else you want to add? I think uh, that, only only that his his daughter was very vocal after uh, her father's death, and uh, I, I wonder if this certified psycho thing isn't uh, inherited. Oh, she was an absolute lunatic mm. with the press. I mean, she was. How so? Uh, there's video on it. If you look on uh, YouTube and you search, you'll find that she was she fought she fought the press. She lived on the on the east side in, in the 30s somewhere, and she had a uh, fight through the press to get to her apartment. And she went she went toe to toe with them, swinging and cursing. And, oh my god! Well, I don't blame her. Lost you my father's death. Leave me alone. Yeah, well, that too. I got to look she at it the other pissed. way. Yeah. I mean, I, I I would hope some of my kids would do that if I died. <laughs> in that in that terrible way. Yeah, oh, that's that would not be a good way. Well, another enjoyable evening of yeah. of subjects. I don't know how we know all this stuff, but uh, if the FBI is listening or whatever, Pat's not an informant, and we're just hanging out. <laughs> and and, and Megan, shoot, Megan's shoot probably breeze. an FBI agent. <laughs> they snuck her in on us. I think that I'm undercover. <laughs> well, thank you all for tuning in again. Please tell your friends. We're growing in leaps and bounds, but not big enough yet. Hmm. So God bless you all. There will never all. be a yet. What's that, Pat? There will never be a yet. We got to keep getting bigger and bigger. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, I, I want to be. I want to be as big as U.S. Steel. <laughs> okay. I thought you were over these years. <laughs> huh? I heard that. Was yeah. I don't know. So are we doing a mailbag? Oh, yeah, what's that right? Hey, you were oh, wrapping right. it up without any questions. I didn't know. I, I was oh, wondering. That's all right. I was just I having so you. much fun. Please, please. The right. mailbag. I the love mailbag. the mailbag. You can't forget about the mailbag. It's the only mail I get. <laughs> 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 all right. So first, I want to share a comment from Arlene. Arlene says, hello, Gianni, Megan, and Patrick. I purchased the book in October and enjoyed it immensely. I also found your podcast to be extremely entertaining and informative. I look forward to your weekly podcasts every Wednesday. You guys are a great team. Please keep me posted with any upcoming events with Gianni. Okay. So we'll be sure to put that out there and the we events will. coming up. Absolutely. All right. So next one is a question from Mary for both Gianni and Pat. Mary says, now that we're into the new year, do you have any New Year's resolutions? I, I never do that. You know, to me, it's always a jinx. Never works. Yes, yeah, to me. <laughs> To, to me, it's, it's it's bad luck. For instance, I think I've 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 quit drinking like forty times. I, I do that every that every other like, day. Uh, like six days into it, I say I haven't had a cocktail for six days, so I think we're going to celebrate. <laughs> and, and, and and you know, there goes the resolution. But I'm with you, Gianni. I think it's it's just bad luck and it's bad. Yeah, luck. yeah. I don't really do it either. But you know, for the for the first question, I'm just realizing because you know this is only January, and I'm talking about March. Well, and that was talking about Canada, but in um, Roslyn, New York, at the Roslyn Hotel, mm -hmm. I'm at a place called My Father's Place on a Sunday afternoon on February 9th, and I'm doing the show there also. I'm getting so many dates. I love it. <laughs> uh, but So anybody that's listening in the metropolitan area or you want to take a plane ride, I'll be there on a Sunday afternoon. And it's going to be family-style Italian 
And we got Clemenza making the sauce. We're resurrecting him. All right. I can't wait. I'm so excited for that. All right. So next question is from Dalton for Gianni. Dalton says, when was the last time you spoke to Talia Shire? Wow. I talked to Talia Shire. There's Maybe a film don't out. Know who she is. There's a film out. Oh, Talia Shire is my wife, Connie, in the movie. And then she left me for Rocky. <laughs> she played. She, left she me. played Adrian in the Rocky Adrian, series. Adrian. Adrian. <laughs> now, that's a funny story. After that, after soon after the Godfather, and the, the Rockies came out. I saw Sly in Beverly Hills. I said, Sly, why don't you marry my ex-wife? <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? I married your wife. I mean, uh, Adrian, and the, the, you know, Pet Slower. Uh-huh. Adrian, that's my ex-wife. That's <laughs> it's so nice. crazy. That's great. So do you see her at all? I saw I saw her. I did a movie that finally came out. And it's wild because people are uh, emailing me now. And because James Conn is in the movie. That's and, called Con Man, right? Con Man, yeah. Right. And uh, they're saying, did you resolve and bury the hatchet to play that movie? I said, no. I did it. <laughs> I was on the set all of two hours. And I did it as a favor to a friend of mine. I never thought the movie would come out. I made the movie 10 years ago. So is it in when theaters it come, now? It Where is it? it? It's went right to video. Oh, okay. okay yeah. No, it's one of those movies that you hope never came out. <laughs> I did the guy a favor and I was there an hour. Hmm. But anyway. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, yeah I think it's out now, Conman. A lot of people are in it. Armand Asante is a lot of, it's tinseled with people. Huh. Yeah, well, let's look into that. All right, next one is from Gus for Gianni. Gus says, was Sonny Corleone based on anyone in particular? No, not at all. No, that was a fictitious family. I mean, obviously, some of the mob bosses had sons, but years ago, they weren't making their sons. The last thing they wanted to do, as like the Godfather did, go to school, mm-hmm. become a senator. They don't want you in the family. So you answer your question, none, none that I know of, and I spent a lot of time with Mario Puzo after the movie. Mm. All right, next one is from Assem for Gianni. Assem says, who do you think was the best-dressed gangster? I would have to, a best really-dressed gangster I would know would be Johnny Rosselli. He was known for it. Really? Known for dressing. Mm. How about Frank Costello? Frank Costello. He was more not of the flesh. I like, like another guy, Bugsy Siegel, was a great dresser. Costello dressed like a businessman. He didn't want to be classy, but not classy. Flashy. Yeah, like like let's say Gotti against a banker. Mm, okay. that, you know, Gotti with the, the neckties and the handkerchiefs and the overcoats over the shoulder. Right. Very dramatic. And George well, Raft. Hmm. George Raft was a great dresser. I, I recall from the book uh, when uh, when Frank Costello wanted you to uh, uh, dress a little better, he sent you to Layton's. Right. And that's not a place he would go. No, he he would go there. But we, that was, this is before Brioni came in. Once Brioni came in, and we had so many friends over there, and I, I forgot the guy's name, the manager. That that was it. But you know, we could all wear Brioni. Could we? We could wear so many things. It's the cut of suit we want. You know, it's he liked that those big suits and the the hats and the top coats and very conservative dresser. Not yeah, Layton's, for those of you who don't know, and I don't, don't imagine anybody would, was a men's clothier on 48th and Broadway. And they had the all, all Italian suits and oh, uh, amazing. sharply cut. Right. 
is a, is a good way to uh, describe it. And mm-hmm. the shoes, I love the shoes. I mean, I, I was a kid. I used to look in the window. You know, kids used to look in toy stores. Not me. I used to go to Layton's and look in the window. What clothes? That's yeah. what he sent you initially to, to buy your wardrobe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you know, it really bothered me because I spent a lot of money on that wardrobe. And when I left on November 22nd and was met in Barcelona, they I left everything on the ship. <laughs> and I'm not one to waste anything. Well, you were told to leave it on the ship. Yeah, I told him not to go back on. But anyway. But the, the, good, the, the good part of that story is you got to do it all over again when you were in Italy. Oh, yeah. Well, they, yeah, they took me everywhere. I bought clothes everywhere. Hmm. That's why I got hooked on Milan. <laughs> all right. Next one. Next one's from Carmelo for Pat. Carmelo says, you mentioned on one of the podcasts that your family was in the restaurant business. I travel a lot for my job. Any tips on finding a good restaurant in a town you've never been in? Great show, guys. Keep up the great work. That's a good question. And my, my father once uh, discussed this. My father owned an Italian restaurant in, uh, in the Little Italy. I don't know how he got on, on the subject. He was talking to somebody else and I was eavesdropping. But he said, if you're in a strange town and you're looking for a good restaurant, you don't go into a restaurant that has a sign that says open. Huh. <laughs> you stay away from that. <laughs> and or, and you do go into a restaurant that has an awning. Okay. Why? That, that's an, an awning? Yeah. That was his philosophy. I never asked why, but I tell you, if I'm ever stuck in a town, uh, and, and of course, you know, the, the uh, obvious authority is ask a cop because they'll know. But if you don't want to, you know, get involved with the police in, in, in any way uh those were his rules stay away from something that says open and if it has an awning it's a higher class restaurant they're proud of their establishment and the food will probably follow oh that's what the awning is about yeah okay because right? you're, you're very the biggest well, sign awnings, yeah. those of you who don't know uh, are extremely expensive and you need uh depending on on where the restaurant is you need a license for that awning oh yeah you just can't unfurl an awning oh, especially okay. in new york that's that kind of uh, money, chances are the restaurant is more upscale than other places. Interesting. That's a great so idea. So th- th- those are the rules that I go by. Well, yeah. Great advice. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Next one is from Chris. Chris asks for Gianni, is Avra in the same building as the Copa? Did Costello own that whole building? He was a part owner of that building and with, with a, a person I knew really well. I'll just use his last name, Mr. Stone. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Avra, I, that's why I, I love Avra. I love going there because I'm, I'm like going back to my little neighborhood because we're, we're, we're a block away from it and I've never left the neighborhood all this time. I started selling pencils on 59th Street and mm-hmm. 5th Avenue. Well, look at the radius. The Avra, which was the Copa, was the Copa mm-hmm. is on 60th. And I live on 61st, so I, I'm all like right in a, a three-block radius. I've never left in that's great. all this time. No, that's Avra is definitely the old Copa. All right, next one is from Ben for Gianni. Ben says, will there come a day when La Cosa Nostra doesn't exist anymore? Never. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. Never. It, it never, can be, never, you know, it, it's, there's the ebb and the flow. Depends uh, on who the police are, who's in power. You're going to have uh, uh, decades of weakness, decades of strength. Would you agree with that, Gianni? Well, not only that. I, all the, all the, I've been just recently rekindling a lot of relationships with second and third, fourth generations throughout the United States and even in Europe. All of this, all the old families, they're very legitimate now. 
They're doing very, unless you're heavy into drugs, then that's a whole different group. But most of these people made enough money that they could stay under the radar and in legitimate businesses. Most of them own grocery stores. Thank God. That's why I think I'm in so many grocery stores with our food products. <laughs> They're all old friends. All right. Well, I think that's it for tonight. What do you guys think? A bidip, 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 bidip. That's all, folks. <laughs> that's it. That's great, yeah, man. Yeah. Thank you again. I, I signed off before not knowing we were doing a mailbox, but I'll repeat myself. Thank you. Please stay tuned. Please tell your friends and subscribe. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. My name is Megan Horan. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, Giannirusso.com. You can also visit Amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night. Too few to mention I did what I had to do And saw it through Without exemption I planned each charted course Each careful step Along the byway But more Much more than this I did it my Way Oh there were times I'm sure you knew When I bit off More than I can chew But through it all When there were doubt I ate it up and spit it out, and I stood tall.